not the full spectrum here today. Uh, stripped back version. Uh, just me and Viv from the Young Nats. And uh, I guess the coalition members uh, abdicating their responsibility. Not prepared to front up for the uh, the budget. Uh, pretty budget, if you ask me. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Um, I think it's pretty classic that they couldn't make it today. It's uh, a big day. It's the first red budget in nine years. Um, it's very exciting. It'll be interesting to see not what is there, but what's missing. And it's uh, going to be interesting to see that uh, they haven't fronted. But the question's like, will there be cheaper GP visits? Will there be um, funding for new police? Will DHVs get new or get extra funding? And what funding will go towards policies for Māori people, which there's been no announcements for yet, and which National put a lot of money towards in the last nine years. And so what what is actually announced today? I mean, what is it that was announced today? Why are we having this fanfare of the budget if we don't know what the actual budget for things is? How does this I, work? Exp- yeah, it demystify that, it for us, Viv. I guess that um, they've announced quite a lot of things that are coming up. Okay. Um, and they've obviously done those little systematic releases that everyone does, like $900 million towards foreign affairs, which is one of my personal favourites, and a whole lot of other little announcements along the way. But there's been no big announcement around, say, GP visits. There's been no announcement around police. There's been no announcement for the health sector. These were but campaign yeah. main campaign yeah. points. Now, but it's budget day, so the entire yeah. budget is delivered so or isn't? Explain that to me. There's about a thousand-page document will be released today. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> we'll find budget. out today. Yeah. So today we'll find out whether that will be in the budget. So, whether whether yeah. these campaign promises will be met. So at 2pm, there'll be a picture of Grant Robertson. He'll be eating a steak and cheese pie, and there'll be a big red budget in front of him with a big grin on his face. Why, do, why does he have to be eating a pie? Because this is New so Zealand? Tradition. Yeah, this <laughs> yeah. is New Zealand. Tradition. <laughs> yeah, one of the few few traditions. I is this a left and right tradition to eat the pie when delivering the budget? Yeah, I think it's more of a I'm I'm done. I just want some comfort food. <laughs> Here's the budget. And this they is put their feet up and seriously a thing. Relax. They have a picture of them eating a pie every time. Yeah. That's <laughs> pretty <laughs> You're not <laughs> Yeah. Okay. And is there like, um, can you tell about the political agenda or the moral compass of the party in power by what type of pie is consumed at this critical juncture uh i'm not too sure i think bill english had a steak pie every time or a steak and cheese pie every single time and then i okay. think Stephen joyce consistent mixed it, mixed it up and had a steak and no cheese pie last year but um there's been no announcement as of yet as to what grant robson's going to eat so he could mix it up he could go for a even like a quiche like <laughs> just change it all would that be a shock and an outrage or like a, oh, a dessert pie like a fruit be pie as much of a shock as the kiwi bill program um, not being in the budget <laughs> so we'll find out <laughs> right so um but you know this might be a chance for labor to collect connect with millennials by say having smashed avocado yeah, exactly. on toast or smashed avo on toast with a bit of chopped up tomatoes and some cracked pepper and who knows <laughs> i'm getting hungry yeah uh, to know what's in this budget yeah um so, you know, it's it's a bit of a different day here. You know, we haven't got um, some of the other voices piping up and defending their position. And we haven't really got a lot of anything much no, happening. Um, I guess, firstly, um, you know, just given that this is a, a topic that I know you're really comfortable to just speak off the cuff on, Palestine. Um, <laughs> there, there's a lot of stuff going on there this week, but that's about the only major news story. Um, 
What, but what are your thoughts? We'll touch quickly on that, and then we'll move uh, into your wider political treatise. What are your thoughts on the, the flare-up uh, that we're currently seeing there in the Holy Land? We talked a little bit about this last week. I mean, is this um, to be expected from Trump, you know, provoking uh, an already tense situation, or... Um, you know, is it is it important that we hasten uh, the apocalypse so that Christ can rise again? Great question. <laughs> um, I think that it's uh, with what happened in sort of Palestine and in the with the um, obviously the Israeli soldiers shooting sixty yeah. peaceful protesters. We haven't seen that in about in a while, yeah, a long time. Yeah, about, I think there were about eight hundred people injured. It's sort of a bit scary to think that that happened today like it happened in 20 2018 yes you're sort of sitting there going all like hang on a second what can we do like here what can we say and everyone's just sitting there tight-lipped going oh we support israel but that was pretty bad (laughs) um is that the feeling inside the national party I don't know. We haven't spoken about this. Yeah, I mean, Jacinda, I, I guess, uh, remonstrated with uh, our diplomatic connection with Israel yeah. there. Um, but, yeah, I guess, you know, would you expect the Nats to take the just firm support of Israel position? Because I think National, when Murray McCulley was the first sort of foreign minister to take a, a bit of a stance against Israel. Yeah. I know we were in, like, there was us... I think maybe El Salvador and a, a few other tiny countries, and we stood up against um, the Security Council and said, "Look, well, we don't support this. We said that uh, what Israel did was was terrible." And then straight from that, we backtracked. And I'd like to see that as a country that um, is always progressive and always um, taking a strong stance on human rights issues, uh, for us to sit here silently going, "Oh, this didn't happen in New Zealand, so we'll just let them deal with their problems." I think it's a very a weak stance from every party and like mm-hmm, the whole of mm-hmm. the Western world. We sort of just look at Israel and go, "Glad support, it's not we support, us." We support, we support them in theory. Yeah, like it's not us doing it; it's them. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Murray McCulley had a bit of a um, a dust sort, up almost. Well, he yeah. he kind of had this um idea in his mind that you know in New Zealand's short time on the Security Council that our enduring legacy as you know these uh, forward thinking peaceful nation was going to be solving the uh, Israel-Palestine issue maybe slightly ambitious there Um, and of course uh, now uh, the 50 uh, ton gorilla that is Trump has waded into the uh, yeah. middle of the issue and uh, he thinks his legacy is going to be solving the Israel-Palestine issue but his version of solving it is a uh, full-scale war where only one side is the victor yeah. um, when you start not necessarily lines, international yeah. law Yeah. when you start picking which sides which you've got Israel with the backing of the US but geographically it's just one tiny Jewish state right next to amongst a huge Arab Middle yeah. Eastern region yeah. sort of it's by looking on the outside you think oh that's unfair but then you realize if you've got the u.s backing them then if people start picking sides when when would this war end that would be huge some might say world war three yes uh <laughs> yeah. that that new term is, is thrown around fairly freely and i think yeah. new zealand would commit i mean both sides said during the election yeah. without flinching without even 
gagging in their own mouths um, that they would just unequivocally support a U.S. war against North Korea under Trump, you know, nukes exchanging across the globe, and New Zealand's just right in there, be it labor or national. So I think when it comes to, um, yeah, the Israel thing, where the U.S. goes, we go, you know, so goes the Five Eyes and the ANZUS Alliance, and, you know, we've put so much effort into that. I mean, really... A lot of the, um, you know, investment in military hardware, the arms race uh, that's fueled the military industrial complex and their agenda over the last few decades has essentially been building up to this, you know, uh, since the major wars uh, in the Middle East in the 70s, both sides were kind of um, tooling up saying not going to let that uh, imbalance happen again. And and we've seen, you know, uh, things that, you know, in... uh, previous Cold War eras were kind of science fiction, the Star Wars missile defense, and, and all of that uh, in innovation has actually been driven in the Middle East now, and uh, if we do see a war, uh, you know, well, already we've seen with Israel and Syria, uh, we've seen rockets being fired on both sides and then intercepted by these various systems, and um, yeah, it's going to be a whole new sort of... Um, paradigm that we haven't seen before but let's hope that it can simmer down um you know surprisingly it didn't just kick off immediately like a tinderbox but uh we haven't seen that level of violence um you know uh of the israeli overreach in quite a while um so yeah trump man just get him out of there as soon as possible i would say just yeah trump 2020 that's scary yeah, I don't know if he is going to run again. Some people think he will. Some people think he won't. Um, it'll be interesting because that's going to be the uh, the three- and the four-year cycle of uh, New Zealand and the U.S. only overlap every 12 years. And the last time that they overlapped was uh, when John Key was comparing himself to Obama. Yeah, um, very so, good, strong comparison. Uh, yeah. It's uh yeah it's going to be uh hard to avoid uh yeah. some comparisons in our next election with that one. Uh so it'll be interesting to see who runs, but um that's a long way away. We've got a lot of uh sort of by-elections and referenda and uh select committees to get through before yeah. that. Um yeah, any closing thoughts on international politics? Yeah. Yeah. Um I don't know. We'll just sort of uh, just sit back and watch take a wait little and corner see of the world and approach. see what happens. <laughs> and yeah, just take each step each day as it comes. All righty. Well, we're going to play some Nightmares on Wax. And when we come back, we're going to talk to Viv about his uh, wider political treatise and uh, give, him a, give him an opportunity to sort of, um, you know, explain why such a bright young man as himself is so loyal to the National Party. (laughs) You're on the one. 91 FM. Politics. The one. 91 FM. Politics. And, uh, given our unique uh situation here with only me and viv and uh not a lot happening in the news uh i thought i would be interesting to uh pick viv's brain we've heard him a lot on this show and he's so 
reasonable and measured and thoughtful, and um, yet he is the uh, spokesperson for the Young Nats. Uh, so we'll give him a chance to deliver his wider political treatise, word of the day, um, <laughs> and uh, just, yeah, explain to us a little bit about your political philosophy, Viv, like, you know, where did it come from, how did you get to where you are, what sort of evolution did you go through, uh, a lot of people, you know, um, I guess, start out with certain viewpoints and then have experiences that, that shape them through to others, where, where did you start out, when did you first get political, would you say? Um, when I was in year 10, I ran for my school's board of trustees Okay. and um, got elected, which is pretty crack up, um, won like, quite a big landslide, ran a huge Vote Vivian campaign, got in, and then um, at the same time, David Clark recently became the Member of Parliament for Dunedin North. And I was quite excited and I sort of went down and met him and I was you know, quite starstruck and sat down and started talk- talking to David Clark and said, hey, I really want to like get involved and help you out politically. He said, that's awesome. And I said, oh, can I join Young Labour? And he went, yeah, oh, absolutely. But before you join any political party, you should read like their manifesto, all their values and what they stand for. And I went, oh, okay, that's fair enough. So I trudged through a lot of Labour policy and trudged through their sort of big book and then went and looked at the Green Party one. It seemed very sort of not really what I was looking for. And then read the National Party one, and it seemed to be a lot more relevant to what I liked. And I sort of went, oh, God. What would he think if I joined the Young Nats? And then I did. Uh-huh. I joined the Young Nats. And then next time I saw him, I told him. And he said, well, at least you joined the party you believe in. And I was like, oh, cheers. And I worked with him as a youth advisor for quite a few years up until the end of year 13, just as a, even though I was a Young Nat, just providing him some a different perspective for Dunedin North Youth, which was quite fun. But that was my first experience with in uh, sort of trying to get politically active. But I don't know. It's sort of um, what I always think is that the government should always deliver the best bang for their buck almost for the, like the taxpayer and I thought that national parties seem to be so measured and so well run that that'd be the best party to deliver that and then what was it in the manifestos when you read them that really um, was there a specific point that stood out um, certainly yeah. there was a few key phrases that the light bulb moment for you um, I'd say the personal freedom and sort of equality so with a national is a huge um, sort of set of values based around equality and like personal freedom and I always thought that if everyone no matter how much of like a um, I don't know like how like bad of an upbringing you have you should all sort of be at the same level you should always be treated sort of equally there's a lot of personal responsibility when it comes to say raising a child but then again you don't want a child to be disadvantaged just because their parents are terrible parents and things like a whole lot of ways around that and with a national I thought um, they are the only real party that could functionally deliver that to every New Zealander and um, yeah so I decided that the ultimate personal freedom is if we've got true equality and the only way to get true equality is through national. Okay and so I mean personal freedom and equality those seem like things that all the parties would like though wouldn't they? I mean what yeah. what was it that um yeah, what was it that made you feel like, I don't know, what what resonated with you with National? Like, um, you know, yeah, like you gravitated towards David Clark, but then when you actually read it, yeah. and, and you even, like you said, you kind of had this internal struggle, like, oh my God, I like National. Yeah. What, what, t- tell me a little more about that. that like, what was it, uh, other than the, 
the idea of personal freedom? Was there certain um, people or 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 key case studies that made you so enthusiastic? Um, I'd say that sort of within um, it's like the lower of the South Island. I sort of saw National was a party for both people from the city and obviously the country. If you look at the history of it, that's where it was born. It was like a um, a very liberal um, city party joined up with a very conservative country party to knock out the Labour government. And they figured out, hey, if we stood together, we'd we'd win. And they did that. And I sort of looking at National and looking at um, the way they run things, sort of the structure... I was really drawn to after meeting um, I first met Michael Woodhouse for the first time and I was sort of a wee bit starstruck I met him and Alfred Naro were the first two sort of MPs and Alfred was a brand new MP at the time he still had dark hair at the stage before he went grey all those sort of things talking to them about I was sort of going well I'm just a young Nat like how could I influence policy and they said what are you talking about of course you're going to influence policy I learnt that you've as a within the National Party you can have a direct link straight into shaping policy for the party there's no barriers. You can pitch a policy, and if everyone likes it, then it becomes the party policy, and you've got a way of like justifying it. Within like another party like Labour, looking through their process of getting it checked off by a whole lot of different groups, and then even if it's 90% supported, but one union and part of their trade union group just agrees with it, then it can't go forward. And I thought that just seemed like a whole lot of clogs and a whole lot of inefficiency and a whole lot of like internal bureaucrats that you don't want to deal with. And National just seemed to have the most structured way of sort of progressing forward and so like what i what i'm hearing a little bit here and what i feel like is a a common thread with um i guess you know just a a wider um amongst new zealand society this uh kind of amongst a certain sector of the population this this gut reaction to um labor feeling a little bit elitist uh, feeling a little bit exclusive, uh, as you say, only of the city, uh, not necessarily listening to uh, policy points that they don't want to hear. Um, do, do you think that, um, yeah, I guess, it, w- is that a, f- a frustration that yeah. that kind of, uh, sort of was a conflict? I feel as though Labour sort of went, okay, we've talked to our focus groups, the people near targeting the middle classes, so we're going to forget about everyone else and hit them with a whole lot of policy that we know they love. And you sort of think, well, no, what about all these other awesome fact-based, like, evidence-based policy? And they go, oh, no, 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 but I've just got a feeling that if we make, you know, fees-free a re- reality, then more people will go to university. You go, but there's no evidence. And they go, oh, no, nah, but it'll work. And I find that really annoying, because, like, within National, when you've got a policy idea, it gets through, then you've got to have all the evidence to back it up that it will work. This is sort of like the like the universal basic income, why it didn't quite progress through national. It got there's been a few attempts at it, but there's never been the evidence to back it. There's never been enough evidence to say this will definitively work. Now um, with yeah. with national I guess um yeah, I guess there's this uh you know, coming from a a place like Dunedin that is, you know, like it or not, relatively provincial, uh, yeah. albeit still a city. Um, we, we do, you know, lots of our sort of friends, relatives, acquaintances are not necessarily city people, they're country people, and uh, have a different perspective. And I guess, um, yeah, have a natural aversion to those type of, um, like, 
yeah, el- elitist mannerisms, just sort of immediately looking down their nose at them or, yeah. or writing them off. And, um, yeah, that that's something that I always felt like with the myself being a uh, more of a left wing person and yeah. kind of, um, you know, believing in a lot uh, more of, you know, social justice and uh, sharing and caring or whatever you want to call it. Um, I I really don't like when the organized left um, gets this high and mighty attitude or speaking down to people. And um, I feel like if you really want to bring people along with you, you have to kind of, um, you know, you can't belittle them or or bully them into it. You have to you make them believe it for themselves and and come to the um, you know come to understanding the logic on their own terms. And and that can be hard work sometimes. Uh, but I guess yeah. I so so I understand what you're saying there about um, that appeal of national. But I do feel like it does get hijacked by the same sort of, um, you know, well, we've got lobbyists and corporate interests and foreign governments trying to hijack both of our major parties, all three, four, five of them. Um, So, you know, I guess um, on on a fundamental philosophical level, there are those sort of, you know, emotive... Uh, signpost that drew you to the National Party, but then yeah. what? What do you say about the, um, you know, the the criticisms of it? You know, being an organized force for evil corporatism. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you you see examples of that, surely. You see examples of that uh, in all in all parties. Like yeah. uh, we've had discussions on this show where, you know, you yourself have admitted that nationals being petty or you know. Yeah. Uh, supporting big business when they shouldn't um how do you reconcile that um i'd say like with a national we get seen as a lot of a lot of the time people point to the finger and go you're all for big corporations and this and that and you sort of go well hang on hang on we're for like global trade we're for a very open new zealand we're very like much uh, an international party we're a party that wants new zealand to be a big player internationally and like the tpp was a, a great example of this where national took a really strong stance supporting it and that was to open our barriers and like we got a trade deal with a whole lot of countries that we would never get a trade deal with like for example new zealand we made it like the national our goal was to have a really good trade deal with japan and they just look at you and go no of course not and then eventually through the tpp process they bought into it and now new zealand beef is losing its 90 percent tariff <laughs> going into japan so that's a huge growth market for New Zealand, like the New Zealand economy, because there's sheep and beef farms, obviously are a lot less like pollutant than a dairy farm. So to be able to promote that back in New Zealand and um, say, look, there is a market for you guys overseas, is something that I personally believe is great. Getting New Zealand out there and into the world, because shutting ourselves off and being sort of this, um, you know, very tribal, we are New Zealand thing is ridiculous. We're only founded in 1840, and most people's grandparents are probably born overseas. Um, to say that we are like we need a like we've got our own identity, but to build to say that we like shouldn't be a global player is just insane. I think. Well, you you obviously have thought about this very deeply, Viv, a lot more than just the the red versus blue. I mean, um, do you think uh, is this 
uh, common for people your age? I'm I'm out of touch now. Um, um, do you do you think? I mean, are are your peers, your contemporaries, are they very political in- politically interested? Do they support one side more than the other? What do they think of your uh, nailing your colors to the mast in this way? I wish that people were more politically engaged. Um, like within my friend group, we're obviously a lot more engaged than others, and that's partly because I've forced you know certain views on them, and then quite quite a few of my friends have challenged me. My best friend growing up is, I think he's head of the um, the Canterbury Young Labour, and um, you know you can always have a good discussion, and there's no need for anything to sort of be hostile. But I wish there were like if people across the spectrum a lot more, because with a national, you draw a lot of support. Like I went to like John McGlashan, we get a lot of support from a lot of farm boys. Yeah, they really have no idea what the party stands for, other than oh, look, blue. Yeah, I've always got the country's back, and we go, yeah, yeah, yeah we, we do. But and we also got a lot of other things. They go, yeah, but you know, I want to support you because of that. And you go, but you should read and look out other things. But then I don't know. It's great to try and encourage more engagement, but you don't want to sort of put people off. Okay, uh, so among yeah. the Johnny's farm boys, it's more uh-huh. blue than red. What about at uh, the Otago Uni campus? We had used to be yeah. red as red as red comes. Uh, we had a period there in the uh, you know early uh, part of this current decade where yeah. the blue really was the way to go. Yeah. yeah, no, definitely. I think that um, it was marketed a lot better to students during the 2011-2014 campaigns. This last election, there was the whole like youth quake just in the mania effect, which yeah. I don't think really took a whole lot of hold at Otago Uni campus. But then, what do you see on the yeah. ground now? What's the percentages, young Nats, young Labour popularity? Is it kind of fifty-fifty? Um, I'd say it's still pretty split between the two of them. Um, there's a lot of new young Nats that have only joined since the election because they're okay. so riled up. Okay, and it's sort of taken the election, taken for National to actually lose the election for people to actually go hang on a second what and um actually take action so we've picked up i think from last year we've picked up another like 60 new members um since the election who are all they want to go out and you know hold hoardings and door knock and i'm going all oh, it's not an election but um what we're we like hey do, we don't know if simon bridges is going to be the leader for very long <laughs> hold up boys. yeah so it's, it's quite encouraging to see that people are um it's sort of yeah it's hard to say it but losing the election was quite good to sort of um, bring you back to ground and sort of justify your own views again. Yes. And then you get a whole lot of new... It was all too easy with John Key just swanning around, winning the hearts and minds with a wink of the eye. Yeah. Tip of the hat. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well. Yeah, so on campus, I think um, there's definitely, within National, well, Young Nats, we've seen a big amount of growth. Then within Young Labour, I'm I'm not sure what they're up to, really. But I'm sure they've probably out a bit of growth that happens after you win an election people sort of gravitate towards you guys to try and meet ministers and meet MPs but I'd say every fortnight we've had a, an MP on campus so far which has been pretty good mm. but yeah and we've got obviously Simon Bridges next week he's not coming to campus but he's going to be in Dunedin doing his big road show around the entire country oh yes he's stopping in at the cannabis museum I did forget that <laughs> yes uh, yeah. Yeah. righty. well hey thanks Viv for uh, defending your uh, political viewpoint I think you actually did a, a better job than I had hoped you would do um, but you know that's the high caliber of Radio 1 politics